All right, hello and welcome to the uh, Football Index podcast, episode 110. Uh, we're at the uh, Index Game meetup in Nottingham uh, for this recording. And uh, I'm joined by Buzzing Paul, who is drinking a couple of recordlings. I've got three recordlings and one uh, pint of tap water, because God knows how long this will last. <laughs> right, as you can tell, uh, there's, there's, ha- there's been a, a few beers have been digested. Uh, Buzzing Paul, is there the fourth time you've been on? Yeah, we did two podcasts together and one live stream on the back of the, the new performance Buzz Matrix. Your, uh, your voice is slightly husky, have you been... You been... I, did, I did just about pass a late fitness test and hopefully I've passed the <laughs> mic check. He's covering up the fact he's been on the pod several times. <laughs> <laughs> he's part of the FIT <laughs> Well, Well, that voice that you hear is, uh, is Frosty's from the... Uh, uh, Football Index Twitter and uh, Index Game communities predominantly. Uh, tell me a bit about the name. The um, I'm presuming it's behind the uh, brand of Cornflakes. It is indeed, yeah. Uh, so, what, 10 years ago I had a uh, sales job in London. About six months in, getting bullied. Uh, basically, people came up with the idea that I looked like the kid from the Frosties advert. 10 years ago? 10 years ago. Well, I don't quite see They're it. They're going to be great. They're going to be great. <laughs> And I was the young kid <laughs> dancing around. Young blonde kid, that was me. You don't look blonde any longer. No, I'm basically still grey, man. Well, it's not grey. <laughs> so, like, it's a fair brown. Yeah. We're joined by a uh, returning guest, Chris Askew from Twitter, and Chris on Index Game. How are you doing, mate? I'm not too bad, thank you very much. Just it, one shuffleboard. It was amazing. Is it? Is it um, unfair of me to say that I didn't expect you to have uh, a few tattoos? Really? <laughs> I don't know. Like I just didn't really uh, didn't quite expect it. I don't know why. Oh, it's, it's the voice. I put on a voice when I come on a podcast. Yeah. Okay. All right. Yeah, I've got quite a few Fair tattoos. Enough. What? I've got a, I've got um, Harland on my arm as well. <laughs> just, oh no, sorry. I'm about to get Harland on my arm. We we were taking bets before you'd uh, you'd mention a player that's younger than twenty. And it took less than two minutes, so I've lost the bet. Can confirm, can confirm two minutes. He's got Harlan's peak price, 342 on his arm. So uh, we didn't really get that many questions for this one, lads, and Chris has just joined last minute. Um, But one we did get was about, uh, actually, to be fair, Frosty, we should probably ask about your FI journey first. Yeah, yeah, uh, so I joined in uh, April uh, 2018. I think I went on for about two months. It was like the 500 pound free, risk-free offer. So I just dicked about, I had no idea what I was doing. Ended up buying uh, Jack Wiltshire and Kieran Tierney. So basically, I, I just assumed that transfers to bigger clubs would make some cash. Uh, got bored pretty quick because I had no idea what I was doing. Uh, and in the end left, and then I came back in uh, July, so about three months later, uh, and then basically just read into it more, did a bit more research. Quite like the PB uh, side of it. Just like Chris. Just like Chris. Chris likes the youth PB. I like the real PB. <laughs> uh, and that got me hooked. Following scores, you know, players scoring first, game-winning goals, that sort of stuff. I found very interesting. And basically, just just continually putting more money in. What, what's kind of your uh, background, if you don't mind me asking? Uh, nothing, nothing to do with training. No, nothing, nothing at all. <laughs> He's got no background. Fair zero enough. Background. 
Uh, just, uh, I'm in recruitment. I've been in recruitment for 10 years, uh, about project managers, uh, which basically sums up, I don't do any research. Like <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> <laughs> Where's Alan Sugar? Right, come on, come on. No, I just don't do any research, just follow my gut, follow the money. Did you see Alan Sugar's tweet about the guy with tattoos the other day? Today? No. Was it today? No. It's like, I mean, I don't watch The Apprentice, but he slagged someone off for having tattoos, I think. And the guy tweeted something like, oh, be okay with your body, like, if you want to have tattoos, whatever you want. Like, bro, and it, got, like, it went viral on Twitter. I think Alan Sugar retweet, retweeted it and went something like, um, all right, mate. Yeah, if your if your tattoos tell you a story, tell your story, that's fine. But you're not a bloody Kindle, are you? <laughs> Absolutely I was slayed like, him. What the, what the fuck? Well, he's, so he's got a history, Alan Sugar, of saying the wrong thing, hasn't he? Really? Yeah, yeah. Well, some clearly, sunglasses, some sunglasses and a tweet with a bit of sprinkles. <laughs> he's he's got quite a good reputation, Alan Sugar. But if it wasn't for him, Silicon Valley would be in the UK. It wouldn't be over in. California. Really? really? Right, so, uh, right, the only question we got, interestingly enough, was, was, was about the next trend. And just before we started recording, Chris was saying to me that no one knows what the next trend is. Go into that a bit. Well, I think, given everything that's happened in the last month or so, when you completely almost flip the index on its head, you've gone from everyone everyone being fully into youth essentially for a while, a little bit into IPDs, uh, PB being looked at uh, statistically in research but being almost off trend, you might want to say, to a certain extent, and media completely being flipped up in the air with the, the whatever's going on with the Matrix or whatever, we, I'm sure we'll debate that in a minute as well. You kind of gone from a youth and non-PB as well, uh, as we call it, which is the players that are outside of the PB leagues. Then FI go and completely flip on the head, quite rightly probably, from a market point of view, which is change all the dividends, increase them. Everyone's looking at PB, everyone's going to M uh, sorry, PB players, they've all had a massive surge. That's slowing down because everyone's sort of seeing the, you know, the yields are good, but the, the, all the prices have gone up. I guess the point now is, what is the next trend, right? Because is it we all is it you? Is it PB? Is it IPDs? Is it non-PB? There's all these sub-markets. What do we all think is actually the next trend? And, and, and obviously January transfer season around the window. Do we think everyone's going to go after that? It's 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 uh, if you can. We always say, don't we? If yeah. you can judge the next trend, you're going to be ahead of the market. I think. So what um, do we think it is, guys? Yeah, I, I, yeah, I think that the January transfer window is going to be big. I mean, if you look at like Ryan Fraser going up, was it like 25% because he got linked to Liverpool, he said it was going to be a done deal and then it was rebuttaled, like literally. And then a notification from FI comes out. Yeah. Well, I mean, however it happens, he went from like 110 to 150, right? And so that, yeah, that leads, quick. yeah, really quickly. Yeah, and that leads to me to believe that like, I think January is going to be relatively big. Um, I think the youth market is going to change in the way that there's going to be youth players that perform on the pitch. Like basically what I'm trying to say is that I think the youth market is going to be more concentrated. It's going to be not more spread. So that the guys that like play very regularly, you mentioned Harland earlier, but we saw like Reese James start a game for Chelsea, went up from like two... 15 to 250 back down to 240 now he's like consolidated around that time 
Like, even Trent Alexander-Arnold, right? He's 20, playing every week. He could earn dividends. I think those PB, uh, youth players, rather, I think they definitely are going to be more concentrated. But I don't think the rises we'll see in them are going to slow down. I think they're just going to be more concentrated. That's going to be the only thing. Rodrigo. Yeah. Okay. Perfect example. We're not, we're not saying that. That's the one thing that I think we've got, this is what we want to discuss, is that is, is everything going to rise in, in a truncated way, or is it subsections of the rise? And I really don't have the answer, but Rodrigo's a great chance where it's like Rodrigo literally hit a great score. And then, I mean, his rise was phenomenal. It's like nearly a pound like, in 24 hours. That's just unbelievable. But even James. He was almost the perfect score. PB for me is yeah. still driving the prices. And based on the dividend increase, it should drive prices for a fairly long time. Okay, take, take a break for Duran transfer windows and things like that. Um, but realistically, the youth PB players, uh, without, you know, obviously mentioning names like Odegaard, Rodrigo, Sensei to an extent, their ceiling has to be much larger than any other player on the index. For the fact that, yeah, three year back, but if you look at it, uh, extrapolate that to a five, six, seven, eight year uh, footballing playing career, their ceiling's much higher. You know, yeah, there was the youth trend. But I don't think anyone's cotton on to the fact that it should be PB-focused youth trends. There has to be big rises there to be had. I think, I, I think we're right in that January will probably be the next trend. But there's a certain amount of change, a lot of change that's happened recently where people aren't quite sure. So media has been open to the top 200. We're still not sure what the actual impact of that is. And I don't think we will be for like a year. I agree. It's hard to make a judgment call on that whether it's the 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 aforementioned seven percent on on many other uh, occasion or is it going to be 30 or 50 percent we don't know yet it's definitely not seven percent i, I would probably agree with you but I, I, again i can't say if it's like 12 or 25. so what is true is the fact that 5p media win on a treble media day for some of the players that might win media on a January transfer, is a huge percentage. And there could there could feasibly be a transfer saga that lasts two weeks of within a window that's got lots and lots of treble media days in. I think you could see 100% growth in a one-pound player. January is already really quite interesting. So you had Delit in the summer. Yeah, I think it was like two quid up to 3.30 or something bonkers. Was it last January when Higuain? Higuain dominated. I remember Higuain because of the massive Higuain, spreads. Yes. Yeah. 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 Well, even look at Harry Maguire in the sub. Like, he went up loads. And everyone knew that he at some point was going to go down. But he didn't go down immediately. So it's kind of like, yeah, when are you going to take that profit? And to be fair to him, I think at the kind of the beginning of the season, he won a bit of MB even after the transfer winner closed. Yeah, he, had a, he had a Manchester United debut and he played well and they won 4 0. Yeah, yeah, it was he all had the a like. A lot of people like to call him, don't they? That's so I was making a, a, a video today about, oh actually no, I didn't make this video, I was thinking about making a video about um, kind of like top five tips to top, uh, for long-term traders. And one of the tips that I was going to give, you know, ruined it already, cheers Chris, was, um, you know, those checkpoints, right? And what I do, if I was someone who was like, look, I've got 
I've got 20 pounds, I've got 200 pounds, I've got 2,000 pounds, I've got 20 grand, I've got 200 grand, and I'm gonna put it in there and I'm not gonna look for like six months. I'd create a checklist for myself. I'm obviously uh, assuming that I know the index to like a, a reasonable extent, not even a good extent. I'm making a checklist and thinking like, what do I want a player to have for them to go up in price? And whether that's like a certain age, a certain like league that they're playing in, a, a certain amount of dividends that they could return, whatever, however you make that uh, checklist, right? And then you'd probably put most of your money in that checklist or players that suit most of that checklist because that's kind of like the thesis or investment thesis that you've created, right? And um, for me, it's quite interesting to see how like a lot of people who say that they're very long-term about the index seem to get nervous of when, when not nervous, but like they, they kind of lose confidence in their own thesis when things don't go their way, if that makes sense. We, we talked earlier about FOMO. Yeah. There's FOMO on both sides of a trend. On not trend, you get FOMO wanting to get the price rise. And as soon as a player drops, you fear losing lots and lots of money as more people get out. Um, but you're right. And the, the, the community as a whole kind of struggles with um, kind of ordering or ranking or prioritizing a portfolio. Because we've all got limited budgets, but a lot of probably not even new users, old users as well, will trade on FOMO rather than having a long-term strategy and prioritizing bets. Yep, yeah, I can't argue with that. I think... Well, I've, I've, Tony, have you got any examples where you think that you've, like, you've sold somebody, you thought that because everyone else was selling them and actually you, you got into the whole and then you've regretted it afterwards, or money like that? That uh, Probably quite a few. My memory's quite <laughs> shit, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> I was going to say, though, like, sorry to cut you off but I've had it where like I see a player drop a lot and I'm like I'm gonna buy I'm gonna buy right now yeah. but what if they drop another 60p I've got loads of those examples prior to uh, the div increase um, so youth was still quite a quite a, a driving factor behind prices I was quite happy with am I allowed to name names of players um, so Saka of Arsenal, uh, Cabellos of Arsenal. <laughs> uh, there might be a trend here. No, Chelsea supporter. Um, yeah, I know, he's terrible. Um, Hudson Adoy. Basically, set myself up for the long run, as in, I think youth's going to continue. It's not for 80, 18 months or whatever it was, it shows no signs of slowing down. So I invested in those guys. And rightly so, uh, FI came out and drove PB. Those guys obviously took an absolute killing. Um, quite happy to lose a bet, instant sale, and then you just jump on the right players. Can I ask a question? Because like, a lot of people, when those dividends weren't really that attractive, were saying that this youth thing wasn't ever gonna stop, right? And I didn't disagree with that. But when the dividends were increased, and then there was the, um, oh, we're gonna review dividends every year, there's a lot of shouts of, oh, well, will youth ever get that sustained period to rise? And I'm kind of like in the middle of those two camps where I think like, I don't think that many players will rise, but I think it'll be more concentrated. So if you imagine like when we had that youth trend where all the money went into players that were like between 19 and 21, 
I think that same amount of cash will go into players, but it will be more concentrated, as I was explaining before. Yeah. But what do you think, Chris? Youth has an organ balance. This is the thing no. that I think that a lot of people are misunderstanding about youth. And, and I've, I've been pained to say before, this isn't a trend, youth, it's a sub-market. And therefore, it's going to go up and down, right? So, and not every single youth player is going to go up, and not every single youth player is going to keep going down. So, you've got to be careful how you trade youth, because if you think every single youth player is just going to keep going up, it ain't going to happen. <coughs> you've got to be quite active on those trades. Of course, you can buy a youth player, and in six months' time, given market growth of FI, they're probably all going to be up to eight percent. If you buy a, a bad youth player, that's just the market that's grown, right? It's like buying a bad PB player, yeah, exactly. right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You buy anyone, and if, uh, in, in six months' time, they might have grown twenty percent. But but I think I don't think the youth market isn't isn't um, hasn't died, so to speak. That's what a lot of people <laughs> say. But you've got to be really, really thoughtful who you're buying from the youth now versus what you were because actually the money. He's been targeted on the players that, of course, always happens. It's the ones that are going to rise next. And what happened was with the dividend increase was everyone caught on, which was actually the new players might now stop rising. This was going to rise next. PB. So what happens to that short term money? Went out of you, not PB, whatever you want to call it, into PB. So I was just going to say, I just wanted to ask before you go into it, Frosties, why, why do you, like, I'm going to ask a double barrel question actually. Why do you prefer trading youth? And Frosty's, why do you prefer holding or trading PV players? So you, you go first, Chris. Go first? Yeah, yeah. I, I, and remember, remember I said I started, I loved PV initially when I first joined and that was like USB for me. The longer I, I find it really hard, and I still, I, I've gone back to a few PV players now, and I did pre-announcement because of the dividend increase because the yields are potentially there but I really struggle with PB because it's so hard to win and barring barring some really obvious players <laughs> and those obvious players by now are the ones that you see at the top of the index and there might be a few that are still there potentially that could escape and become they're, they're mid-tier and they might become primitive for me the reason why I prefer you because I actually find it safer to hold my money in players like that because they, there's always somebody willing to buy them again and to, to, to believe in them again, even forgetting for a second PB dividends because the market isn't just about PB in my view, it's about lots of different things. There's loads of different ways to win probably next. PB being the big thing, MB, IBDs, just hype. Cracking open a cold one. I don't know, 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 I I find it, I actually find it safe to put money in you because I believe that they will, the ones I choose anyway will constantly grow there's, sorry, there's certainly less information around Juve, isn't there? We've yeah. got less historical scores to go on. It's a lot more of a speculative market. Yeah, that's right. So, and almost certain people, a lot more people want to get involved in the speculation. And there's, because there's a lot less facts, it almost, yeah. It, yeah. It's, it's, again, it's momentum trading, isn't it? Yeah, no, 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 that's great. Momentum trading is a really important point there because 
How um when when this I'm not I'm not I'm gonna call it a tide that's turned, but that's probably predominantly because of the dividend increase. What has been your because I, I mentioned there that long term traders sometimes uh, concentrate on the short term changes in the tide a lot, right? Whether that's IPDs coming in, whether that's the transfer window, blah blah blah. How have you positioned yourself so that you're still enjoying FI first and foremost, but also still making decent money from it? So I, I initially, when the announcement happened, stuck to my guns and stuck to my portfolio. I watched for about four or five days my portfolio completely crash. <laughs> well, it's that, hard to do though. Explain well, kind of your thought process as that was happening. And when I say completely crash, let me put it into a bit of context. The first five or six days of that of October, I was up quite a lot. So I'd seen a massive rise in the first few days, and then FI go and announce this amazing increase yeah. in dividends, which is great for the market longer term. But for me, it absolutely killed my portfolio. So like, I'm sitting there like, like what do I do? I'm, like, and I must admit, I probably misjudged the rises that were going to come from the dividend increase. I probably misjudged it. And I stuck to my guns, I kept a majority of my portfolio, and I saw 4 or 5% decline over the week. But I was up like 12% at the beginning of the month. So, Fair play, not so, bad, not so, bad money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> No, it was, sorry, it was 8% up, I think it was 8% up, and then I lost about 4%. So I was so okay, happy. Right. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, so get that at 12 <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, like, any, like any good youth trader, don't, I don't do stats. Um, yeah, you don't do that. <laughs> especially when they go down, you don't do them at all. Yeah. What's my ROI? Seven. Yeah, I just yeah. it well, it's, it's 16. <laughs> yeah, 16, 17%. <laughs> Sorry, that's who I buy. That's the 16, 17 year old. <laughs> so so I, I'd had a really, it flipped, it did. It, it like the tide almost turned immediately and everyone was just buying on the PB. That was hard, that was that was hard. Uh, we've talked about it before, like we said, Paul, you mentioned FOMO going one way. I had fun the other way. What, what would you give some tips to people who are out there who maybe had that tide go against them? What, what did you do to make yourself okay with that kind of, your position? Well, it obviously, it must, it must have helped me that I've been on the index for over a year. So I've seen mark, sub-market scope you know, to be in, in fashion to out of fashion. So I've seen I've seen it where PB players or MB players or youth players have gone out of fashion or in fashion and then a month later they flip back again. So I, I, I didn't want to panic because I knew if I panicked and I just... Or I had to make a decision, first and foremost. Sure. Do I literally... You've got three options. Buy more, sell, or hold. It's not that hard, Chris. Come on, mate. Stop hogging the pod, mate. He was a last-minute guest. He's been speaking for ages. He's the host. I'm the guest. Go on, go on, go on. Chris Cast. So I literally instant sell my whole port, which some people did, pretty much, and then flip into PB. Um, and then go after the trend, or do I stick by what I did? I stuck to my guns, lost percentages, it was hard. I then, after about a week, 
reassessed everything I was listening to from talking to fellow traders. You know, I've got some proof. Stop listening to the fake cars. Stop listening to the fake cars. I literally didn't listen to anything. Fuck him. You're 101. Fuck him. I listen to a lot of is, Has he gone down? No, <laughs> fuck him. <laughs> How hard is that to do out of? Sorry, guys, you're going to speak frosties and fucking I promise. Condition themselves to look at you for. I wouldn't say condition, but like you've okay. What I said before, right, about the opportunity cost video about how like you've created this hypothesis, right? You've created a um, hypothesis where you believe your money is best spent in players that are ticking certain boxes, and for you, yes, but for you, they are predominantly younger. They are doing certain things, right? How hard is it for you to put money where you, in your heart of hearts and your gut, don't believe that there is value? Not value, but maybe the best value out there. Uh, it was, it would have been really, really, really hard if I didn't have a analytical, statistical background that I started the index with. Okay. And I know some traders that have found it really, really hard that don't have that background to flip from you and I know some traders have had a reading before and I spoke to someone and literally said I feel like a joy. I mean, that's, that's quite extreme, like, that's, that's really extreme and what I've always said to them guys is like stick to your plan, try and stick to it because we are going through a change of like, the market and there will be a time again where you've come back but you do need to just reassess what you're doing. I, 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 I don't mind PB though because there's tools out there that you can use, there's, there's websites, there's, there's lots of different stats, there's um, SofaScore, there's Index Game. You can go and look at the best performing PB players and how they're doing. And I quickly just tried to assess value. It's hard, especially when you sell somebody that you had <laughs> penciled in for a January transfer rise <laughs> and you sold and you just found out they just risen 25%. That's really, really not very nice. But that's the name of the card, right? You mentioned Index Game. We are at the Index Game meet, and this podcast is Thank currently sponsored by Index game. game. Thank you very much oh, for the beers. We'll do a cheers. Drinking a beer from Index Game, which I'm there we go. Cheers, Bishop. Cheers, DCA. I'm sure uh, Bishop won't be angry. Buzzing Paul, I just cut you off. You're about to make two amazing points, I'm sure. I just had really two quick points before Frosty's counted the youth. The first one is negative price pressure doesn't happen just in the youth market. So the psychological strategies that uh, Chris talked about also apply to PB players. So we've seen a huge drop in Ted G. Savanier recently. He was expected to do really well after the, out of the new matrix. He's not done so well. You need to take those psychological strategies to MB players as well. Um, the second point I've forgotten. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, is a, that is a really good point. Like, you know, it's That's an absolute sandbag, that is, isn't it? Cheers, Paul. That is a great point. Like, when we talk hype, everyone thinks hype, youth. Hype's just hype. Whether it be PP, youth, or whether it be MB, whatever it is, hype happens. And if, they don't, if someone doesn't achieve that hype, the, the they yeah. plummet. I mean, let's. Let's, let, let's shit on Teji a bit more. 
take that example. He basically rose 70p in a weekend. One evening. For, for coming off the bench. Well. Correct. He scored, I don't know, 130, 140, or what, I don't know, or 67. Or but if you extrapolate over 90 minutes, how many points was That's that? a million Frosties. and five, isn't it? Yeah, extrapolate, extrapolate, Frosty. Stop being, stop being so close-minded, extrapolate. No, but fine. Well, it's like, yeah, you can score 90, 100 points or whatever, or 20 minutes. But the fact that, does that warrant a 95p rise or 80p rise or whatever it was? Of course he's only going to go one way, playing for Montpellier. <laughs> but the thing is, dominant team. But, but, but like, I tweeted today, I think. I think I, think I tweeted today, Frosties, that... <laughs> I think I tweeted today, Frosties, that like, a lot of people buy players that have gone from being very dominant in their teams to being maybe not the dominant force yet in their teams. And we've seen it with Demibai and uh, Savanir, where their prices have been so volatile because we don't really know how they're going to be at their new teams. So, like, is that a learning for a lot of traders? I think you'll find a very rare occasion where you'll get a dominant player in a crap team move to a more dominant team and still be the focal point. Possession is one, key. One guy that sticks my mind. Yeah. Only one player can get the ball at one time. Like Sensi was probably an exception yeah. to the rule. Um, I can't remember who he played for, but Sesswilo. Uh, yeah. Who actually? Yeah, he did. I bet. Sesswilo can just like bang in. Is that the name of the? <laughs> can just bang in six, seven goals in a game, uh, and then they can just like lose six nil, like at Atalanta. Uh, but for him to then transfer to Inter and actually step up and realistically overtake Brozovic. There's a lot of variables though, because a lot of people said, you know, Brozovic, but there's also Conte coming in, changing formation, blah, blah, blah. There's so many variables that we're like, like people are just like, he's just moved from Sassuolo to Inter. Well, actually, he's moved from Sassuolo to an Inter who have invested a lot of money, they've got a new coach, we're playing a new formation, who are more possession-based and play out the back. You're about to speak about possession buzz- buzzing pool. Um, did, you, did you listen to the podcast a couple of weeks ago where I talked about how um, possession could be key, but maybe set pieces are becoming less important in football? So, so I, yeah, I heard the podcast, another great podcast. Um, <laughs> He's, well, it, he's, he's, he's got to say that in front of me, right? That's, he's, yeah, he's, he's got to. So, so what, I, what I took away from the podcast that we're, people are, or teams are scoring less goals from corners. But what's, all, what's still true is that set pieces from a match day dividend rankings perspective are still really important. And they will be until they ch- potentially change the matrix next summer. Um, I remembered my second point from earlier. Sorry, I thought I was meant to answer that one. So my second point to counter Chris on youth, and I probably lean more towards Frosty with the proven um, MDD winners. So if you're going to buy a youth player, make sure that they've got, they meet more than one criteria. So they can't just be young. They they also might be able to get a potential transfer to a PB league or to an EPL team. And they also must show signs of being potentially good for match day rankings. I think if you go those kind of three fallback options, you can't go far wrong. If you're just buying into the hype of youth, then there is potential there to lose money. Oh, so, yeah. You're just going to buy into youth. It, I do uh, quotation marks, a bubble. Uh, there's no real uh, sort of foundation on their price. 
before dividend increase, yeah, youth was everything, and it was what, 12 months, 18 months worth of rises. For so long, it wasn't a bubble. It wasn't a bubble, no. It got to a point where it was like, if you were just young, you were Which is stupid. It was that bad. And I say that bad, even though I trade that sub-market, it was literally put a player on Twitter or Slack or whatever it is, tell your mate, tell your mate about him, and someone would buy it. It, was, it got to that point. But also, the, the people that were joining the platform at that time were looking at those players. Yes, and that is something that we must always remember that a lot of new traders that come on, the first thing they think of as Who's the next as best? An investment platform is that's a lot of the time that they think what it's about, which it kind of is, but it's also a gambling platform. We must remember that. Is, well, I want to buy someone that in six months' time is going to be more expensive than now. So they automatically think you. Because they don't understand PB, they don't understand, uh, sorry, match day dividends, I should say, media dividends, they don't understand IPD, and football index, to be totally honest, don't do a good enough job of explaining. Do you also think that's a uh, price point? Let's take, uh, like, a pro as in the price point, as in. I'm going to bet on this guy being, you know, six months' time more expensive than X player. And the only reason I'm going to buy him is because he's a quid. And let's use Mbappe in his example, he's six quid. You know, the next youth, like, phenomenon. I'm just going to buy him because he's a quid. I don't know whether big, smaller budgets make people make those decisions. Why else would you buy? You might buy a quick youth player thinking when you first come on, you can just think that sounds cheap. But you wouldn't just buy a random quid PB player because you don't actually know about PB yet. It's only once you know about PB and whether it's through for Index or Index Game or Edge or whoever it is we're talking about, some sort of statistical provider, it's only then you realise that comparatively they might be cheaper. So the natural gut instinct is, oh, he's just, he's just I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna buy. He could be one with Yeah, we know a lot of people that just buy players on the fact that they score goals. You know, I know that's a very simplistic view on it, but that's what football is, isn't it? Scoring goals. On it. Back to your original question, a long time ago about what the next sub like, trend is. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot we've we've spoken about yeah, thirty original? minutes on that because yeah. that was the only question we got. I mean, I think, Cheers. Cheers, FI community. Probably agree that <laughs> January transfer oh, we'll is definitely a big tick for anyone you're buying right now in the portfolio. That you've got to have that, you know, one eye on January transfers. Whether that be you know, rumours, you know, English rumours, foreign rumours, whatever it is, you've got to have that. And we know a lot of us from probably past experience that it just takes one English media outlet or social media outlet to just say somebody's links. Can be one bloke with a thousand followers. And uh, on, on that note, we're going to take a quick break and we'll come back to it. Right, welcome back. We've had a bit of a loo break because uh, some beers were consumed. Three uh, Rakoda Ligs done. Uh, there's a few new drinks Chris is sipping as we speak. From the world's smallest straw. Think of the turtles. Think of the baby turtles. Just it before. <laughs> Still it matter. is the same size as Chris. Just before we were going to start, uh, Buzzing Paul was going to make some amazing points and we were going to discuss some really good football indexing things. He's had seven recording links since He's the break. He's had seven recording links He's now ready recording. to go. Um, so we talked about kind of price points beforehand and what I thought of when we talked about price points was that particularly high prices that we've had this week on IPOs. So they've started IPO with 16 year old players in the £2.20, £2.90 range. 
and even relatively unknown top five league players have been 50 to one pound, which when I doesn't feel immediately like an issue, but in two to three years will mean that every player in the future is IPO'd at a particularly high price. And one of the most attractive things about Football Index, we talked about earlier, is people buying the likes of Jaden Sancho for 25p and holding him all the way through to £6. I wondered what we as a collective kind of thought about the IPO strategy, IPO pricing. It's a bit of a hand grenade moment though, isn't it? Uh, IPOs. I think the reason they moved away from the sort of, uh, we've got 10 players, they're going to be all released within two hour slots within a day, was due to the tech and website or the app just going on the meltdown. And now they've gone to this ridiculous idea of 100 IPOs within a week, any time during those days. During, <laughs> we all know it, during Gamble Responsible Week or whatever it is. I've not slept for five days. It's obviously ridiculous. Oh, how did you make all your money on IPOs? Well, I just sat there and watched the ticker. <laughs> Honestly, that's ridiculous. It's, it's not exactly rewarding um, your football it's knowledge. It's not football but... not correct. It's I actually think... punishing your football knowledge, I think. Well, it's yeah, that's, that's an interesting thing to say. It is quite, quite on the extremist point, but but you've also got you've also got the fact that I'm not a big granted I'm not a big football follower. I don't do loads of research, but I, I, I made a load of money from IPOs when they were released in their two-hour slots, ten till twelve, uh, twelve till two, or whatever it was. Because all you all you do is you just fastest finger first. And when the IPO uh, list was released, you do a bit of research and you understand who's going to get hyped up. No one, I don't think anybody knows the the best way to do IPOs. That's the most difficult. But I think the key thing is, and if it's going to stop people from making money, fine, is just drop them in randomly. And you look at the. But then won't people just spend more time on FI generally just in case like you know what like there'll be like a time where you're like oh alright I'm not going to do any more FI someone in that mindset might think oh but this this player might drop any time if you're going to if you don't even give a window yeah. you just say this is the beginning of the season you're two three months into a season all these sort of uh, players are coming through and starting for their first team Whatever it may be, you know what? You know, age, no difference. Just drop them in. Yeah. They're scoring PBs, bang them in. Camavinga, shit like that. Just drop them in. And if someone suddenly finds them, you'll still, to be fair, you'll still get FOMO. Yeah. Because what will happen is, oh, I'm, I'm just, you suddenly found Camavinga and he's up at 50p. People will still instant sell to jump on. I, th I think the problem that I've got is that they have not been IPOing players fast enough and quick enough in advance of the hype, which means that they've got they've got a challenge themselves. If you think if you always put yourself into FI's position, they've got a liability that they're obviously clearly looking at every time they IPO a player of dividends, future dividends, or you know that kind of thing. And therefore, if they're IPOing players later than they should be like Camavinga, suddenly the hype's there, the potential PB's there, question mark, you, you know, that's for some people to discuss more than others, some people might think he's got a better PB, PB potential than others, but 
that we're weighing up the, the fact that he's 16, 17, 18 versus 12 years of dividends that they've now got to pay out. At a minimum, yeah. So that, if they, and that's the thing for FI, they've got to weigh that up as well. And that's, I think, the problem. They, they're just like us, a bit like a trader. They're having to weigh up their liability versus a trader buying them at a price, thinking they can sell them at a profit. Well, they have to, because they're the, the sole market exactly. maker. Exactly, they're the market maker. Exactly. And, and to Paul's point, when you, we've, we, I think we've discussed this via Twitter before, where we talked about the right times for IPO players. And from FI's standpoint, they have to be very sure that when they IPO a player, and I say very, very loosely, that their commissions are going to go override their dividends across the, 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 the span of their career because in that career, FI can then use the deposits, do what they want, make money here and there, you spend on market, whatever. There's only a limited amount of cash in the market. Yeah. So I don't see how they should really worry about that sort of stuff with the younger players that are IPOing. This might be a very simple way to look at it. But your fatties and your Camavingas that have just come on. If they just suddenly drop those guys into the market with nobody knowing a date and time, as soon as one person finds them, what's going to happen? Word's going to spread, it's going to be on Twitter, people are going to instant sell all their holes anyway to suddenly jump on. That generates commission. And then you're going to get the fact that people are just going to flip them. I would also say that there's clearly been at some point at FI a change of strategy of IPOs where somebody, maybe from a financial background, has looked into the risk element, have gone, you cannot keep IPOing someone that could potentially be a Jane and Sancho at the same price, at 25p. 25 yeah, it's 25 Because if you do that FI, whoever's working for FI have gone, we're going to lose money from him, potentially. So therefore, you can't you can't IPO Jane Sancho at 25p anymore. If that ever happened again, you have to IPO him at least a pound to de-risk FI's liability, and it's a pound. Now we all as traders don't want that because we all want to get off the cheapest price we can. But that's what it feels like to me without knowing anybody at FI. I have no idea. It feels like a, a business decision. IPO pricing is a mi microcosm of how difficult it is to value players. It's difficult for two reasons. We've got no idea what market cap is on Football Index. We're what, 85 million now? It could be 200 million, it could be 500 million. Hopefully it's a billion. The second, it's impossible to know what is going to happen next season with a player, never mind what's going to happen in 10 years with a 16-year-old player. And I think the high prices kind of protect Football Index than their liability to a certain extent. But also, they need to be careful long-term with these high prices. No, exactly, because because if you if you keep doing... It concerns me as well, because especially as a youth trader, it's like, I research all these players, and I'm like, yeah, I've got this player. And then eventually they get IPO'd, and they're IPO'd twice the price that I think they should be worth when I found them. Do I want them anymore? I don't know, maybe I don't, or... And then, and then do you look at someone else who's young and say, wow, he looks great value compared to Well, the exactly that, because eventually, and everyone hates comparative value trading. Pretty much most people do. Well, that's the only thing we can do accurately. Exactly. But, but most people find it frustrating because in reality, what does it really mean? Just because somebody I played at, at £3 doesn't mean player X should be £3. But yet, actually, in two years' time, if Fatty doesn't ever fall below three quid, is he IPO'd at three quid? 
someone else is less than three quid, someone's just going to go, well, well Vati's three quid, therefore X should be three, uh, Y should be three quid, because Vati's... Yeah, but We've Vati already kind of seen that as well. Vati like, can't some of the youngsters have exactly. risen from these high youngster IPOs. And I just want to go back to your point, uh, Paul, because we've also, I think we've talked about kind of, I've, I've talked to a lot of people about um, uh, tiered PB, right? And the reason that I don't think FI do it now is because when you're in that kind of startup to scale up mode, your uh, revenue and your profit isn't smooth yet, right? So for example, if you're a big company like Bet365 in the gambling industry, for example, you can probably project 18 months out what you're gonna make. FI probably can't because they're so young, right? And things are so ever-changing and that happens with a lot of startups. But if you're FI and you're in that position, and a lot of people are calling for a tier PB, I don't think you can actually confidently do that and say in 12 months we'll be in a good position. Because if there are loads and loads and loads of winners that they have to pay out, then their income maybe is smoother, but it's at like a lower rate. And also, I think that's why they've probably protected themselves, to your point, Chris, and to your point, Paul, with those high IPO prices, where they're like, okay, look, we might have a good January, we might have a bad February, and we might have a good March, April, May, June, July, August, and then we're kind of like flat or low for the rest of it from like a revenue perspective. Then you have to like minimize your risk as much as possible because your income isn't, and you're an accountant, Paul, sorry if I've, I'm not allowed to say that, you'll know about this more than me, but you, you can't risk that potential dividends being like, 5x compared to the commission on an average player if that makes sense long term uh, yeah i just think for me and i'm, I'm pretty simple uh, the biggest <laughs> you said it not <laughs> us. yeah 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 the biggest risk for fi is naturally they're going to keep divvies in in line with uh, growth and player prices with regards to yield it basically it's the is price for them and buying back a player. For me, that's that's their biggest risk. And if they can manage that, and, and to be fair, get away from that and get order books in, and that, that obviously that's another uh, another argument with regards to liquidity and buy and sell orders in the market. But their instant price, instant sale price, is the biggest risk for them for buying back shit assets. Quite simply, is it not? The biggest financial risk. Yeah, financial risk, sorry. You say that that's controllable more short term, right? Like, the, like you IPO Camavinga at 280 or what, like 290 we discussed earlier that he came in at. Um, if I IPO someone at a pound and he should have been IPO'd at a pound 50, I can just whack the spread up. So that's kind of like, I guess, FI's full safe, full safe at the moment. I, I, so I think what we agree on IPOs is that they're absolutely essential for the long-term viability of the product. I think the second point is the current process doesn't work. Hopefully there's a new process. Hopefully it's backed up by Nasdaq infrastructure. Hopefully it means we won't have such high IPO prices in the future. And genuinely they attract new users as well. Because I've got, I've got, I know people, family, friends that have not joined FI because players aren't on Football Index when they search for them. As crazy as that may seem to somebody that's on FI, they've literally said, 
X player is an RFI and I wanted to invest in them, I'm not going to join. That makes sense. That happens. I said this on the last podcast that we did on Thursday, so with two days on from that. I said, I've got a colleague, he's French, he sits next, next to me on my desk and uh, he knows I've been involved in FI for two years since I started at the company and he's known about the fig stuff for about a year and a bit. He messaged me on a weekend and he was like, hey, just, just had a chance to like get to, you know, have a look at this thing, what it's like. Where's uh, Ryan Cherky, Camavinga, X, Y, Z? And I was like, well, and there goes Shirky's IPO price, guys. But, but, but Paul, before I responded, I said, isn't that a weird thing to think as a new user that there aren't these players that could be the next best thing that are on the platform? And I don't know how FI addressed that, but my response was kind of like, well, honestly, mate, FI just don't have them on the platform yet, and they will soon. And he just went, oh, for God's sake. And just never, he never got on the platform. And you're right, Chris. Like, I said earlier, I was chancing the guys earlier over a beer and I said it is a customer acquisition deterrent not having as many players as you could do uh, yeah absolutely you want to profit from your football knowledge I'm not I my football knowledge is pretty slim I just follow <laughs> <laughs> I just follow I just follow the money but like you could spot uh, Shirky Sancho Hudson Adoy, you know, all these young players that are on the periphery of the first team a year ago, two years ago. Obviously, that'd be Shirky, like 12 years old or whatever. But the fact is, why wouldn't you buy them at like 40, 50p? There's a lot of money to be made in there. I also said on top of that, and I got a similar response, FI should be in a position where, and I used Iwobi as an example, right, as an Arsenal fan, when he burst onto the scene, he wasn't the guy that you put your hat on top and, and said he's going to be the next guy that breaks into the Arsenal team. He came out of nowhere. A bit similar to Marcus Rashford, where he didn't have the most ridiculous goal-scoring record in his youth, youth team. And he came out of nowhere. Why wouldn't FI want you... If they want to grow their market cap, why wouldn't they want people just come in and put a load of I'm money I'm sure they do, but my point is that like they should, they should be able to at some point, as soon as someone makes their debut, IPO them. Or just go football manager style, whack everybody on. Obviously, they have to think about pricing. There's no doubt about it. But, but the, I guess one of the issues is liquidity, which is obviously a massive issue. And we'll, and we'll be more so coming up to order books. Yeah, absolutely. So there's 85 million in the market, which is tiny. Which is absolutely tiny. Though, there's a genuine problem here, which is, what if FI don't actually know who the next players are? I've never really thought about that way. So, but like, so, so they have, they, we know that they're not, they're not the biggest company in the world. They're, they're not that big at all, really, in terms of people. What if they literally don't have the time and resource to know about a lot of these upcoming youngsters? As mad as that, as mad as that may sound, what if they don't? But, but, but from someone who are like, you know, they've got partnerships with Opta, that would be surprising, wouldn't it? What did, what before the PB increase, right? What happened last year? What happened last year with the youth, with fucking Football Manager 19, come out? All people did was, oh, I'm going to start with like Yeovil Town. And then they just go, I'm going on holiday for 10 years. Ah, oh, who's the now? 
who's now the big players in it. This, this was exactly my point. If you can spend £40 on Football Manager, you'll have a thousand names out of there in 24 hours. But also, but like they know that's part of their target market though, don't they, Chris? Because they are giving away Football Manager right now on Twitter. All, all I mean is, I, I, exactly, on the face of it, it sounds absolutely absurd that they should not know who the next big players are. But what if they don't have the capacity to know? And they're relying literally on the community to tell them who should be the next IPO. That's all I'm saying. And it's like, right. whoa, that's a crazy thing. You're definitely to right in that they haven't had the capacity. And also, we forget that they're so new and they've had other priorities. But to get to the point in November where teams got promoted in August and players still haven't IPO'd, it's not acceptable. I, I, I agree. Like, I don't think there's any chance that they as a company looked at the players out there and went fuck it just not gonna not gonna ipo tomorrow what like <laughs> fuck it we're not we're just not gonna do it like there, there must be things that yeah there must be things on their like priority list that are way higher than that right because they can't look at every because if you think about it from like a fi perspective as well ipo those players actually is better for them financially Right, like you've got three new teams in every single league. Uh, is it two or three in Bundesliga? Three, right? Three teams to get, get promoted in the Bundesliga. Three. Yeah, so it's two. Yeah, so it can be two to three. So you've got five times three, take a one, take away one. So on an average year, you've got 14.5, right? 14 this year. So let's say 14.5 new teams every year. FI should be like rampant to put those out because it increases the the odds of every single PB player like winning PB even if it's like some random fucking Cologne player that wins PB off the last minute defender header goes in or like um, someone scores a goal and that skews it five points the other way and they lose PB that's still kind of important to FI's like model from a lot if you projected that like say three years even that's kind of important so for me I can't see why they see those new players and say we should add them unless there's some like massive massive priority well look at FIFA Ultimate Team FIFA have created this illusion of you want the, the next up and coming youngster in your Ultimate Team like that those people that are on FIFA eventually they're going to go on to FI you'd hope uh, when they're old enough of course <laughs> yeah when they're old enough but 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 but, 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 but it also FIFA have done a fantastic job of marketing you want these players and you literally see them post on social media on Twitter on Facebook whatever oh I've got this card surely FI want the same thing on Football Index surely I think sorry I was just going to say I think FI I'm not going to say they're in an identity crisis but I think like um FI are in a bit of an identity crisis when it, well, I say identity crisis very loosely, but if you think about FIFA, they introduced Ultimate Team in like FIFA 12, 13. I, look, this is when, back when I played it like a lot, right? That's when I remember it coming in. And now it's the focal point of the product and the thing that makes the most revenue. FI are young enough where they might not know where their main big source of money is going to come from. And that's why I think we talked earlier, Chris, about like, well, they had the IPD thing and everyone was like, well, are they going short term? And now it's like, well, we're, we're doubling PB dividends or like increasing them by 50% and MB. And then we're adding this also like long term PB thing. And they've also said in statements like we think that long term is like the real value of FI. 
they're still kind of conflicting in conflicted rather in knowing where their like long-term goals are yeah how do they grow how do they grow like which is their focal point well yeah. not only grow but profit yeah. as a company long term yeah yeah exactly yeah to be honest sky's the limit on where fi can grow you can have a hundred pound player you just got to make sure that the dibs are right yeah to be honest and the only reason you get a hundred pound player is through the market cap growing and money being invested in the coffers uh, you uh, me personally every div that i win gets reinvested into fi i, I, I don't know what I, personally, yeah, I was going to say, I reckon it's a very high percentage that you win, you win your divs, reinvest. Where's FI losing money? 100%, because as much as I found the dividend <laughs> yeah, yeah, increase yeah. on my portfolio tricky for a few days, a week or two weeks, whatever it was, or a month, we need the market cap to grow. And how does the market cap grow? A dividend increase. And those dividend increase grow every single player on the FI market, whether it be a 16-year-old, 17-year-old, or a 28, 31-year-old. It, it just takes trickle, time to trickle down. Exactly, yeah. Which is why I'm confident as myself that I'm still going to get some growth. I just might have to be a little bit more patient or adapt. You adapt, adapt or die is what I always say to people. Yeah, absolutely. You've got, you've got to evolve. Uh, there's still huge growth to be had in the current structure. I don't know. Like Neymar back in the day when the structure was like 19p or whatever to, to win Star Man in media. Uh, don't quote me on it. And he was whatever price he was, I can't remember. But yeah, and that was driven slightly by the share split. But right now he's eight pounds and you can win. That mentioned a few times on Twitter. You mentioned it now, but Twitter, and I've seen it. When you see it in like text, it does make you think, yeah. but but uh, what what's going to make that happen? Well, it has to be a it. lot of money because well, what I'll say is that like it's triple the amount of money that it would take to move Neymar seven to eight pounds as it was in the past. So now, on paper, that price is the same if you just joined FI now from a dividend return on investment standpoint. But from someone like us four sat around this table. We've seen Neymar, who could move a lot, e like a, a lot more easily, right, from a price standpoint, and earn the same amount of dividends, right. So, like, we could both buy Neymar two years ago, whatever it was, well, like a year ago, even less, right, before the share split, for eight pounds or so, or twenty-four pounds for that kind of dividend uh, return. But we knew how much money it would take to move him up and down. On the other hand, in a year, all those new users that come on in this year from here on now won't really look at that. So I was thinking the other day, probably in the shower, as I do most of my thinking. Like, <laughs> like, oh, Neymar! I've got this shower in the shower. Honestly, like, I was like, I was like, this is not Chris. I was like, oh, youth. I was honestly like, I was like, it's kind of ridiculous if you think about it from like a price to dividend return on investment standpoint that like. That isn't mentioned more, but it's not mentioned more because of how much money it takes to get them to that price. Football Index is a weird product. <laughs> no, it's a great product. Well, that's the title of the but podcast. It's, yeah, that's the name of the podcast. But Football Index is, to me anyway, uh, training, for want of a better word, gamblers to be investors. Yeah. 
as in you don't lose your bet. This is the yield on a player return based on their price, uh, reinvested dibs, etc., etc. Whereas you got bet three six five bookies, yada yada yada. You know, it's just you just pissing money up the wall to an extent. So, so I'd counter Frosty's point slightly and say football in this is unique. You've yeah, not counted it. it, it you've, not, you've you've infatuated yeah. it in any form. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but yeah, you're right, it's, it's 100% gambling, don't afford, don't bet what you can't afford to lose. But also, it teaches you a lot of like investing skills. If you're interested in the data, you can pull all the data out. It also, and the thing that has really helped Football Index to grow is the community it's generated. So I, I, was, I was at a four-year-old's birthday party this afternoon and I said, they asked me what I was doing this evening and I said, it's going to meet a load of guys from the internet and uh, everyone looked at me really really strangely and then they said what's about and they said gambling <laughs> and they looked at me even more strange but the community is something I think that's really undervalued by football index but is a really powerful thing for the product itself I don't know what you guys think figure probably the focal point of it I, I think what Johnny said was was always spot on which was you are, Training with it's fantastic. The way you put that was perfect because you are you are literally going. You, you bet. We always say your bet isn't over at the final whistle. That's if I tried that for a little while as a tagline. It may be hard to get that across from a real genuine marketing standpoint, but it is genuinely true that your bet doesn't finish. You could that you could buy a player tomorrow on the rise, and next week he can still be more valuable than he was last week. You haven't got to worry about cashing out. You haven't got to worry about. Did you win or lose on that? Literally, when you press that button, it literally is as long as almost you want it to be. Because, I mean, let's be honest, who holds for three years? Like, right at the end of the day. But it can be as long as you want three months, two months, six months, a year, or three literally years, two hours. It could literally be two hours. And yeah, and sorry. But your, your point about the community is key. So I, remember, I think the reason I joined FI originally was seeing these profit emails. And monthly, yeah, basically, yeah. Uh, seeing on uh, the Twitter and the uh, football index hashtag people making X amount of pounds, and there was no animosity between anybody, there wasn't somebody slagging off someone else's hold, yada yada yada. Everyone was quite actually on board with each other's strategies, <laughs> excuse me, strategies and players. I was like, cool, well, well, if they can make that much money, surely I can get involved. Uh, Twitter right now is an absolute minefield. It's horrible. But but everyone's still making money, and this is something that we talked about market cap and not knowing when it'll be. But when we do reach market cap, it will get a lot more interesting on Twitter because we'll we'll be betting against each other then. At the minute, everyone's making money, but at some point, market cap will hit, and it kind of becomes a lot more... At the minute, it's net gain. It's not. Uh, yeah, which makes the Twitter community even more weirder. It is everyone should be in the same boat, driving football index, positivity, making it grow. You can't really lose at the moment, and that could be for a year, two years, three years, and then you need to start hiding your trades. And- After that, some people though just listen to this. There are there are moments in time where it does slow down. And, and, and the market does get tougher 
and there are some people will find it difficult right now to make money like maybe even now like because the PB everything stopped rising because because exactly so there might be some people that struggle to put it exactly thick or I'm putting it in a player and he's dropped in price like what does that happen it's hard it's not easy right now like and and, and coming from a lot of there's a lot of experienced traders I speak to about it's not easy to just go and put you know 500 quid in a player or 100 quid you ain't just going to make money tomorrow so for anyone out there right now that's feeling a little bit you know it's tricky it's a tricky market it is a tricky market so, <laughs> so don't worry trust trust your gut though if you've gone with a player and you've just put 200 quid in a player don't just as they ain't rising right now just stick to your guns I'm going to ask you guys I think this is probably last question because we've got so many from the FI community today we didn't get any. Oh, there was one actually from um, from Barry. From Barry, <laughs> I've got four percent battery left on my phone. Uh, should I ask it? Um, he said. Have you really got a question from Barry? He said, "Yeah, yeah Barry, oh, 1955." I'll ask this, then I'll ask my final question. Paul really likes IPOs. I found that whole daily tweet thing very, very odd. But now I feel like I need to know more about Paul. What else is he that passionate about? Does he wear aftershave? Wear spent, spelt W-A-R-E. I imagine he wears, again, W-A-R-E-S, bronzer because his skin is translucent from lack of sunlight. I can see really, Chris eyeing me up as we speak. Really, I just want to know as much as I can about Paul. If you could do like a 15 minute Attenborough-style documentary, I would be very interested to hear H-E-E-R it. I think I would like I would to be like Paul when I'm older, when spelt W-E-N. Oh, and sorry to Frosties, I am sure he is nice too, but I just want to hear about Paul. Harry's gonna <laughs> blow his mind when he hears Chris is on the podcast and all he talks for is the first thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this was like, this was us throwing Barry off. It was like, just drag, I, I always thought like, all right, if I get one to say they're in, Frosties, and I get one last minute, I'll get someone on the day, which was Chris. But I'm actually really on here though, is this is a conspiracy? No, mate, you're not, not you're not being recorded. You're being cut out. You're being cut out. You're talking about youth players, mate. You're getting cut out. If it's not PB, it's not it's not to be FITB agenda. Exactly. But, but I really I do want to ask a serious question, right? Okay, so we we're we're quite close. I think we're close enough to ask about 2020 predictions and like where you guys see FI going. So, Frosties, what what do you what do you see for FI in in 2020? Uh, well, yeah, more growth for sure. I think uh, if they can handle the euros in the right way, uh, then I can't see any issues with it. To be honest, is it in the wrong drink? Is it? <laughs> really, really strong. <laughs> what have you got? It's, I, don't, I think it's a rum and toke. It's fucking. Sorry, horrible. I was trying to ask the question. Drink it. Yeah, it's fucking horrible. Oh, you can smell the like. <laughs> I don't know what Bishop's trying to do. Why oh, is it? Go on, keep, keep, keep going. No. 2020. <laughs> 2020. I think everyone would absolutely love it if uh, FI ran the try January again. Honestly, that was up there with uh, bar, bar April or May last, uh, the, the following months. It was absolutely mental. Honestly, it, it, I it honestly did. Like, I remember being at the, uh, the trader meeting and them saying, like, we've had almost as many uh, sign-ups in January as we did in the whole of 2018. Was it something like that, right? I'm, I'm not going nuts on my ball, but like, imagine that. Like, that sets you up for a whole year as well yeah. from a uh, consumer acquisition point. But uh, it should be NASDAQ. 
because uh, some chap on <laughs> some chap on FI on Twitter decided to release that information. <laughs> Cheers, Dave. <laughs> uh, so Nasdaq will be massive. I think the key thing is liquidity, as we all know, to back up the order books. Otherwise, the product could look and perform pretty poorly. Uh, to be honest, um, yeah. I, I kind of answering your question, but not at the same time. Things that football index need to prioritise on. Firstly, we need to sort out the media rankings. Um, secondly, we need to sort out positional changes. Thirdly, let's have a new IPO process backed up by Nasdaq infrastructure. In terms of prediction, and it pains me to say this, but I don't think Jaden Sancho is going to Manchester United. Oh, he's going to Liverpool. Liverpool or Chelsea? He's going to, he's going to Liverpool and Salah's going to Barcelona. That's my prediction. I've said it now. I've said it now. As a Liverpool fan, I'm not quite sure how I feel about that, but that is my prediction. If you were him, or if you were someone at Liverpool and you won the league, and in the past two years you won the league and the Champions League, you'd be tempted to leave. If you were, if you were, if, foreign, if you weren't English, you weren't. I genuinely born do and think in Liverpool, someone like Salah, uh, Salah would would perfectly suit Barcelona in a post-Messi world. And I genuinely think Sancho would perfectly suit Liverpool in a post-Salah world. I honestly think it's I set think up almost. But Klopp's anyway. got the system now to. I, I, I think there's a there's a fund there that Liverpool didn't spend last year, and we've talked about it as well. That's been that's financial fair play wise has been kept back for next summer. I, I think I think I they've been keeping think... their note. They've been keeping their powder dry for this summer coming. Up. Yeah, exactly. I yeah, think Mane so... will go. So Salah I... will stay. But I think Sancho will either go to Liverpool or Chelsea. Oh, he's a he's a London boy though, isn't he? He's a he's a he's a London boy. Yes, he is. Yeah. And Chelsea haven't spent anything this summer because they were banned. But we, we've got your predictions, Kyle. It's almost a two-stage thing here, which is FI. I think clearly need to attract Wales to get to where they. I assume they want to go to. I hope they can, and I really hope they can attract Wales, but at the same time, I think they need to attract new users. My only, and this sounds a bit negative, but reservation about FI is I really hope that they have actually understood through research, and again, I question this because I know as a big business, I work for a big business, and we don't always- Oh, big dick! Oh, <laughs> yeah. A big business! But even, but even if I go, but even a big business fails on its customer research sometimes, which is so important. Actually, do FI really know how many more people might sign up for Football Index in the UK? Because if they don't know and they're just hoping, then that concerns me. If they do know and there's a cap and they've already got, let's say the cap is 25% away, 50% away, and then they've got plans for European expansion, that's absolutely fine by me. If they just think they can just keep growing the UK and it's just going to stop, it's just going to keep growing, but then the UK stops, then when the fun stops, the stops, right? That's my concern. What's your prediction? That's your concern. What's your prediction? Stop doing corporate bullshit, man. <laughs> stop with the big company bullshit, Chris. Come on. I still think we'll see a big January. Big January. 
and well we know we're at 80 million right we're saying about yeah, we're saying, according to what we see on online um i still think that by this time next year i still think we i still think it'll double i i, I yeah i really do i really do but i i just i'm not what i'm trying to say is i'm not sure how it doubles i'm not convinced that totally the uk will get us to 160. I'd like to think Dib Increase, Order Books, NASDAQ partnership looks good externally from a point of view of people with a shitload of money. Go, do you know what? I can get these returns and it's now more professional than it has been for the last three years. If NASDAQ doesn't do that, what will? Then there's the question mark. Because if NASDAQ doesn't do it, well, sorry, NASDAQ behind a better website and everything and an IPO process and just everything basically just tech not going wrong right <laughs> then we're then surely 160 million is is achievable but all i remember is i remember hearing podcasts six months ago when we used to we used to be worried about 80 million being a market cap and we're not far from 100 million so every every time we go we think we're five minutes away from a sorry five years away from a cap it's 50 minutes away so. I, th I think we'll be at 100 million by 31st of January 2020. Okay, nice. That's a very fair prediction. Uh, before we before we let you go, no, I'll do I'll do my prediction as well. I think we'll have a million users minimum by this time next year. So about four f 500k nearly. So I think I want to say just under 500k. I think we'll double by this time next year. Just sign ups. And if I say active is like 25% of that, I think we'll be similar this time next year. I think FI will be in a European territory by this time next year. But the thing I'd like to not challenge them on it, but like kind of encourage is that when they do or decide to go into these European territories, because we've seen them go into Ireland, we've seen them go into Canada and New Zealand, Sweden unsuccessfully, right? Let's put that out there. That was regulatory, yeah, sure. It wasn't their fault. It wasn't something they did. But I've not really like we've had we've we've got a big Irish contingent, but big not relative to the amount of users there are out there in FI. Canada and New Zealand we haven't heard much of. I remember speaking to someone on Index Game Slack who was from New Zealand and was like, Oh, I, I, I still trade, etc. blah blah blah. But like That's really quite sorry, that's really quite random. Right. New Zealand, why, that's, why would you bother? It's English-speaking. No, no, sorry, not you personally, but why would FI... Because it's English-speaking. Kind of the cop world. They're not a big from gambling. a regulatory standpoint. Yeah. I guess, I guess to, to, um, to Johnny's point, <laughs> uh, Frosty, sorry, point. It's like, if that was a bit of a test bed, fine. But if it's not a test bed, then what the hell were you doing going to New Zealand? But this is my point, right? Like. Okay, Ireland's gone well, but like, probably not as well as FI should have gone out there with, right? You'd want, at the moment, if you compare the populations, you want FI to have like a 5% Irish contingent. I don't think that's the case. And if you go into Spain, you go into a France, you go into a Germany, you go into an Italy, I think I really would love it if they went there and they went as hard as they could. As hard as they could. And I think if they approach their, um, the way they do their expansion in the UK to every other territory, I think we will be in for a massive 2020. I don't think that, I don't know that will happen. I hope that will happen. But I think that's my prediction that we double our user base and that we're in a European territory.
go in those countries once. True. So when you land, you want to land big. And if I could just people add, will remember if Sweden. I could just, if I could in just two add, years, they there, go. There's somebody that recently that's landed in the UK that's made a big song and dance about it. I know that they've got a load of money behind them, but the Athletic have landed. Yes. And they landed big, but they waited until they were in a position where they could land big. It's just something that if I need to really, like you said, think, think about. It's a different model, but it's the, the point is so valid. Like they had a massive, ma they they'd not accumulated as many people as they could in the US. But they've, they've created a business model that is sustainable, has lots of lovers and backers, has lots of very diligent and loyal subscribers, and they've taken it to another territory and employed the exact same model where I think, I believe, they would um, have a writer or someone on a beat for every single state in the US, for every single sport. In the UK, they've come in and said, okay, well, let's just take in the best Arsenal writer and the best what best Watford writer and the best Liverpool writer and see what happens and they've done it so successfully FI that's not translatable to what they're doing but I'd like to think that they have a similar mindset and a similar plan of attack when they go into other territories more successfully than when what they've done with Ireland Canada and New Zealand and not to say that Ireland could, couldn't be a big thing in in two years and not to say New Zealand and Canada couldn't be the big things in the next two years but from the offset, they need to have that aggressive nature about them. They do. I think the product is nearly there. There's a few tweaks, and I'm sure we're all well aware of the tweaks. It's actually the staff within the business, I'm sorry to say, that need to be more in tune with the product, understands the trader's mindset, and everything that goes with it. It's not just as easy as just going, we're going into Spain, we've got the gambling regulations. I think every company has that issue though, in terms of hiring talented people, right? Oh, they're growing exponentially. Yeah. Everyone in your company can't be amazing. And that's like, I think for every company to, to, to have in their minds. But like, FI is so unique that like, the people that you hire, the chances of them getting it on a sixpence in the first six months of their being there, even if they came from gambling, is probably quite rare. And, and we raised this point earlier, they're still a relatively new company. It must be difficult to acquire top tier talent as a new company in a relatively, relatively obscure industry. Especially, definitely an obscure product more than an industry. Chris, so I, think, well, I think that, that, yeah, Chris, yeah, standards. If it's not about youth, he's got no idea. He was about to say uh, something, he yeah, something groundbreaking and he just did nothing. But I guess, uh, no, you're absolutely right. Like with regards to uh, hiring talent, you know, I imagine like Facebook, Google started off absolutely tiny, you know, and exponentially grew. And then once it becomes a big name, people want to start working for you because they understand the career trajectory. Yeah. Oh yeah, don't, don't Oh, go on, oh go on man. Oh go on. Here we go. <laughs> How many youth names can I drop in for the next five minutes? Um, <laughs> no, in all sense, the difficulty if I do have is, is is would they actually employ a a, a team that would actually like uh, say Spain, Spanish speaking, have the language, you know, introduce FI into Spain through a separate team. That's the sort of decision they need to make as a company. Are they big enough yet in the UK? Are they just big enough to even think about that? I don't even know. For me, concentrate on the UK, 
get that sorted. I think told us to shut the fuck up now, so. I think we'll leave it on that note. Get get things sorted. Uh, <laughs> can we leave on a, a thank you to Index Games for organising today? Thank oh you to yes. Take for everything he does and having us on today. Oh, thank you. Thank you. Appreciate that. Paul, where can people find out more about you? At Buzzing Paul on Twitter and in Index Games Slack community. Uh, yeah, uh, I'm on uh, Slack and uh, Twitter. Fi Frosties. If anyone wants to talk to me. Yeah, he's got the uh, big uh, tiger Frosties. Um, Avi, Avatar on Twitter, if you want to follow him. There was almost a uh, meme that was created, but I didn't know who else was going to be on the pod today. It was like Frosties, and then it was me and RC as little kids. Even though RC wasn't going to be on the pod, we thought we'd paint it as a little kid. You can follow me at FI Guides. Uh, Chris, second time in about 10, I 10, I don't weeks. have some crazy alias on Slack or Twitter, so I'm uh, Chris on uh, Slack and Chris SQFI on Twitter. Are you the first Chris on Slack? I don't know. You <laughs> have got some wanky Liverpool press on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You will never walk away. Yeah, thank you very much. Right, we'll wrap it up there. Thank you guys very much for listening. If you're commuting right now, thank you very much for uh, sticking with us all this time. If you're not commuting, uh, have a great day. Sorry for all the background music. We are in a pub. Uh, sorry for all the uh, vulgar language that were for some, some beers had. If you guys are on FI, um, you know, gamble responsibly. Um, only, only bet what you can afford to lose. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for listening.